be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You may be seated. To you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To you has been given faith by the Holy Spirit to receive the word that God has so sowed in all the world. He has let his word fall in all places. God has blessed us with the faith to receive that word so that it becomes implanted in our hearts that it might live there, dwell there, be nourished by God's holy word and fire, that it may grow into a beautiful tree bearing good fruit with patience. That is a gift of God, the faith that you have to fear, love, and trust in him above all things. By your reason and by your strength, it could not be done, but God has blessed you with faith. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that faith? How are you going to hold fast the faith in the midst of this life? Because the Lord says it's not going to be easy. He preached to the crowd, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. But not everyone who had ears there heard and received this word and let it take home in his heart. The Lord talks about those who received the word as Jesus sowed it, as it went out and he cast it in every place, on every land. He says there are some that had fallen by the wayside. And he says that it is those seeds that fall by the wayside are like this. The devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. The word that lands by the wayside means it lands on the path. If you've ever gone through the woods, if you veer off the path, You fall into mud. You get it on your shoes, and it very much can hinder your day if you lose a boot. But if you stay on the path, it's trampled down. It's hard. Anything that falls there is easily seen. It's so easy to look down and find whatever you might need. If you dropped it, your keys, your wallet, your phone, there you can pick it up and grab it right off the road. Easy as that. But if it falls off the pathway, it's often a little harder to see. But here Jesus talks about it. When the word is sown on this hardened path, it's easy to see. It's never received into the earth. It never is implanted deep within the heart and received there, covered up and protected and cared for. Jesus says the devil's come. The demons come and they see that word which is on the top, not received into the heart, and they just snatch it away and it's gone. And that person does not believe. They are not saved. That is, those who do not receive the word in faith, it's lost to them. It's disregarded. They scoff at such words. They quickly depart the fellowship of the church. But it's not just those people over there. This is a temptation for us. Just because you have the Bible, 
Doesn't mean that all of you believe every little word and dot and tittle that's in the Bible. Sometimes you struggle with it. You struggle with the doctrines that God gives you. You struggle with what God calls right and what God calls wrong. And there are words which the Lord gives, hard things for us to receive that not all are saved. But I thought God was all loving, all merciful. Why wouldn't he save everybody? The Lord says, there are some who will not hear and receive my word and they will not believe on my name and to them they shall be cast in the outer darkness. That's a difficult word to receive. It's difficult to think that the Holy Spirit blows where and when he wishes and to those he gives faith and to others who heard that same word, he doesn't give faith. How can we receive such a difficult word? We receive it because the Lord says it. We may not understand it, but we receive it and instead of despairing, what do we do? We pray that the Lord brings those in who are erring, who are wayward on the path, who are heading towards hell. And instead of just saying, oh, it doesn't matter, we keep praying for them. We never stop. We never give up hope that they might hear the word of God and finally receive it and take it into their hearts. But it's not just them, it's us. Where are you tempted? What doctrines in the word of God have you had to struggle with that you would rather the demons take away so that you don't have to receive it? You don't have to wrestle with it. What have you left on the surface that has not come to take its home in your heart so that you would guard it just as strongly as you guard the message of the cross? That Christ has lived and died, redeemed you, lost and condemned sinners, purchased and won you, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. You guard that message, right? You let that live in your heart, but what about the rest? We believe it all. We don't confess just bits and pieces. We believe it all. We do not let the demons take away God's word. The birds, if you think about it, they're quite easily to defend off. You can shoo them away. Luther said, and I love this, he said, sometimes when the devil is attacking me, I drive him away with a fart. If it's that easy, how is it easy? Because a Christian possesses the word of God. The demons are just like that. They're birds. They can be shooed away. But know this, that if something lays on the top and is not taken into your heart, inwardly digested and meditated upon, they will be quick to pick it up so that you might be like those who scoff at God's word, who leave the fellowship of the Christian church. Jesus goes on, he says, but there are also some of these seeds, this word of God on the rocks, And these are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. They have no root, who believe for a while and in temptation fall away. It's one of the best joys of a pastor to give the word of God to somebody and they receive it and they are filled with joy. It is amazing. It's an incredible time when they're excited 
about this newfound love of God in their life. And in that moment, it changes them. Their face lights up. They're excited to tell you how their life has been terrible. And this word that you just brought them is the most joyous and hopeful thing that they have heard in their life. And they're excited. Like, what do I do next? Come to church. Join with the fellowship of believers. Be surrounded by those who will encourage you in the faith and will strengthen you with what they have come to know having been instructed in these teachings of the Lord. Come, confess your sins. Receive the absolution of our Lord so that you may be unburdened from the weight of sin that you drag with you. And so they do. And for a while, they're there in the church, singing hymns, they're learning all sorts of new things, but then they find out that being a Christian is hard work. You don't just show up on Sunday and leave and that's it. Being a Christian is living your life with the light of Christ and caring for your neighbor and sacrificing so much of what this world prizes and treasures. A Christian is humble? But St. Paul, you suffered all of these things. Surely you would boast about it and tell everybody how great of a Christian you are. Why are you boasting of your infirmities, your weaknesses? You know, there are Christians who have such a great conversion story. They want to tell everybody. But what is so good about conversion if it's not forever? If you're not daily converted by the Holy Spirit to repent of your sins and to pick up your cross and follow Christ We all have to be converted every day to turn away from our sinful flesh, to turn away from leaving the faith. Because the faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and boasts in him. Being a Christian means that you must endure the suffering, the trials, the cross, the mockery, and the shame. You, You are not going to be above your master, Jesus Christ. In fact, you should expect it. Jesus says the world will hate you because the world does not know the Father. So it cannot know the Son and therefore it will not know you who are called by the Son. Being a Christian means pressing on through all of these things. Though you are going to be mocked and ridiculed for the faith, being a Christian means that when one rebukes you of your sin and rightly and justly does it because they love you, you aren't angry over it. But you see it as another opportunity by God's grace that you can repent and turn and amend your sinful life. Being a Christian, though, is hard work. God brings everything into the light. That's why humility is so important in the life of the faithful. But it's not about just them, right? These people that Jesus talks about who receive it quickly with joy, but then in times of temptation and trial, they fall away. No, it's also about us. It's tempting to turn and join the scoffers who at one time thought you were just a fool turning and following the Lord and 
Maybe they were right. You're tempted to turn away from this hard work and bearing a cross and having to suffer. It's much too difficult, you say to the Lord. And so you aren't converted that day. And you start to justify your sinful living. You start to rebuke those who have rebuked you for calling what was evil, evil. And you say, no, what was evil is actually good. If you follow anything in the news, you can see how that is being done all around us. What was once good to be in a married relationship as we celebrated with Bev and Joe today is not good anymore. Go and cohabitate. Have sex before you're married. Try out marriage. But it's not really trying it out, is it? It's giving in to the devil's who wants you to give up chaste thought, purity, and love for the future spouse that God is going to provide for you. And then when you're in marriage, as Bev and Joe will tell you, it's not easy keeping the intimacy, loving just one, as bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. It's not easy keeping up the good fight for the faith to make your marriage an image of Christ and his church. But blessed is the one who does it, who lets the Holy Spirit rule and govern their life to turn them away from sin and temptation and to give to them the strength. You've heard it said that no temptation has overtaken you except such that is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You see, God is not leaving us alone to face these temptations. He gives us the way out. He gives us the ability to endure the scoffing, the hate, the persecution, the suffering, the trial, and he defends us against it all. God be with all of you who fight the temptations. Jesus speaks about the ones that fell among the thorns. They are those when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life. Bring no fruit to maturity. Among the Christian, this is probably one of the greatest temptations. Worries, cares, riches, matters in dealing with this life. These are those who had faith, produced fruit within the midst of the church. But none of that fruit was brought to maturity because they found other things more important than the life of faith, than the mysteries of the kingdom of God. When they started prioritizing other things other than fear, love, and trust in God above all things, when they started to add and put other things above the Lord, they quickly realize that they don't have time for church. They don't have time to give up or sacrifice, give alms or charitable offerings to the poor. They don't have time for devotions. They don't have time for prayer. It's much too taxing to be in church. There's other things that I have to do. There are more important things that have to deal with my body and my family or my friends. 
Even on vacation, I don't have time to go to church. I'm relaxing. Certainly, there's no relaxing done in church. <laughs> but this is, this is no good. Jesus is warning us again. Not just those people, but our own temptations. Deal with them now so that we do not become like any of these, that our hearts become pure and the soil tilled by the Lord, that we might receive every teaching of God, that we might fight against these temptations, and that we might remember that it is God who gives us all things. It is the Lord who makes it rain upon the just and upon the unjust. It is God who provides for all of our physical needs in this life. And we don't have to worry Have no anxiety. Let your cares be known to God and he shall take care of you. How much have I heard? I was baptized, confirmed, married here. My children were baptized here, but you know, I no longer attend church. Why? Why? What has become so important in your life that those vows that you took before God, the teaching and instruction that your elders of this congregation and of your life spent tilling the soil, planting the seed, making sure that it was watered and cared for, what has caused that tree to wither? What has caused these thorns to dwell up and choke it out? Jobs? extracurricular activities, the Super Bowl, what is it that has led you to be choked out in this life? You cannot hide your faith in this world because if you do it, if you conceal the faith that God has said, let it shine like a a lamp in the dark place, if you hide it though in this world, you will feel choked out and eventually that is what will happen. Your faith is lived out in every aspect of your life, every vocation of your life. You live the faith. You confess Christ. You confess these doctrines. You confess that you are tempted and often led astray. But by God's grace, he brings you back every time. As it is written, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Again, God gives you the protection. He gives you what you need to fight against the lust of the flesh. So be mindful of this now. Even in the midst of this assembly at this very minute, be mindful of what is tempting you away from having this word of God implanted deeply within your heart and faith closing it in and keeping it, guarding it and protecting it. For the Lord says that there are the ones, these seeds that fell on the good ground. These are those, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, they keep it and bear fruits with patience. What is a noble heart? But a heart that does not deny the sin, it is broken and contrite. It recognizes that in this life we shall have troubles. We are going to be the weak ones 
And we will have no strength to continue on but through the Lord. It knows its weakness and the inability of its own strength and power to keep the word of God, to guard it and protect it, that not even by its own reason and strength is it able to believe in God. But it recognizes that by God's grace, all of these things are possible through Christ. The heart is humble, knowing that it does not justify going its own way, but it is just and justified in the way of Christ. The one who has a noble heart is one who has been purified in the baptismal waters where Christ covered them and all their sins. The noble heart lives in this baptism and is quick to repent and quick to forgive. A good heart does not look to find any goodness within but clings firmly to Christ and Christ alone, who is his righteousness. It turns to find the goodness in God and in his word, even when the world says that there are far better things to consider. By the word that God gives, the heart is instructed in what is truly meet, right, and salutary above all things. The good heart turns to Christ and in his supper receives the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God, life and salvation. The one that has the soil that the Lord has made good and right to receive this word is kept and guarded, treasured inside the heart where it in faith and love resides by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it is not hidden. It blooms and blossoms into a beautiful tree by which it gives to the world shares this love of God, nurtures those around it, provides for the poor and for the fatherless, cares for the widow, loves unconditionally, fights for those who cannot fight for themselves. You know, the Lord says that this, this one bears fruit with patience. It is hard to bear fruit at all, but do so bearing it with patience. For you may not always see the work that you have done in this life. You may not see the word of God implanted now into the hearts of your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. You may not see it right now, and you may die before you ever see it, but never stop the work. Because the Lord never stopped going out to call those into the vineyard to work. The Lord continued to do so, and so should we. Because we trust that by God's grace, he, he does desire that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. We know that that is the Lord's will. And so we don't stop. We know that these fruits happen in our midst and in the midst of great trial and temptation, but we don't give up. We bear fruits with patience. And we know that it may not be until the very last day that we see by those who welcome us into the kingdom of God where those fruits were finally born. Be patient. And while you suffer here in this life, remember to cast all your worries and cares and anxieties upon the Lord. For he shall take care of you and he shall deliver you. 
when it feels like it is the storms of life crashing in and there is no way out, as St. Paul described much of his life, remember that the Lord is a refuge and a fortress and ever-present help in the time of danger. Continue to raise up the shield of faith that by it you might extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. For the Lord will keep you in the faith just as the Spirit daily and richly forgives the sins of all believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.